This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined still remotely via Zoom meeting by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. Happy post-Easter Sunday. Hope you're having a great day. Yeah, it was a tremendously beautiful weekend in Philadelphia this weekend. So it was a great time for Easter brunch. Excellent. I see the beginning of spring and mm-hmm. hope and renewal. I'm all on board with that. So awesome. Very one cool. Of these days we may not be connected via Zoom meeting. Could be in the foreseeable future. That would be fantastic. In the actual studio, that would be awesome. What have you got for us today, Barbara? So we're ready to play our hit and miss game. And with us, we have in joining us in this discussion is Sucharicha Kodali, who's the retail analyst at Forrester, which is a technology research firm. And Sucharicha follows absolutely everything on retailing and branding and always state of the art. So it's really wonderful to have you with us to discuss hit and miss, Sucharicha. Welcome to our show. I am so excited to be here, Barbara and America. So we're going to start with news stories that we deem either hits or misses, and we'll all three discuss our take on it. And Americans, why don't you start? All right. So you know what, Barbara? I am a big fan of pop culture. I'm also a big fan of music. I'm also uh, in extreme admiration of what are called sneakerheads, which are people who are obsessed about uh, footwear and street kicks and this kind of stuff. I also am a big fan of the brand Nike. So I wanna start with a story that almost everyone has heard of by now. And you've commented on actually early on uh, in the New York Times, Barbara. So I'll, I'll bet you have some thoughts here. And uh, it's of course the the quote unquote Satan shoes. And there's, there's so much to unpack here, but just to fill it uh, in our audience, if you haven't heard about this. So there's an artist called Little Nas X, not to be confused with Nas, who's a different artist, but oh. Little Nas X actually, <laughs> who is quite famous for a song called Old Town Road, which he did in, uh, in collaboration with Billy Ray Cyrus, uh, recently came out and did a, a kind of collaboration with a, a company called MSCHF, which is an advertising and kind of um, agency streetwear company. Uh, and they created this collaboration with Lil Nas X to do these basically Satan-themed shoes. They created these shoes that were sort of customized Nike uh, Nike shoes, and they have been sort of remade, if you will, or, or the content has been redone uh, in a couple of different ways. So there's a lot of sort of satanic pentagram imagery on these shoes. That's number one. And then I didn't realize this, Barbara, until digging a little bit deeper, but apparently there's actual blood. That's the part I just on, <laughs> From this MSC. A drop of blood. <laughs> yes, a drop of blood from the employees. That's part of this. I think it was mixed in with the ink to sort of paint part of the shoes or whatever. And so anyway, so they made 666 of these shoes and they were selling them for about $1,000 a piece. And so it's very interesting. I, first of all, I had to figure 
figure out all this stuff. First of all, I first, like most people thought these were like Nike shoes. And I was like, wow, I didn't see like Nike doing something like this. I can't, you know, say <laughs> that because they actually, there was some controversy previously, Barbara, about, you know, when um, Steph Curry went to uh, Under Armour because he really wanted to talk about his religion as part of his shoes. And Nike didn't want to get into religion. So I was like, wow, I guess they must have changed their worldview. But anyway, it turns out, Barbara, they had nothing to do with this, Nike. Right, and and in should. fact, sued to basically please stop doing this because people might think that somehow we are endorsing Satan or Lil Nas X or all of these different things. So it was quite just a maelstrom uh, of just unbelievable chaos in the marketplace, Barbara. Lots of stuff to unpack, pop culture, the interface of music and content creators, uh, brands, uh, how far to go in pushing a positioning around customizing an experience for a special audience, all kinds of things. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it was an amazing thing. I mean, uh, what we should note that Nike already won the first thing in the uh, court because they, they shut it down. Mm -hmm. But that was after they sold out all the limited editions. <laughs> that, like instantly, I think, I think they sold as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. that, that thing that you're talking about in the New York Times, my reaction when I first heard it, I didn't know the background the way you know Americans. I didn't know any of that music stuff. I didn't know all that history. All they told me was there's a drop of blood in each. <laughs> what do you think about that? And my reaction was that's going to be a very niche market. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's, a, it's, the, it's the segment of vampires and Satan worshipers. We don't know that segment that well. Do you know that segment well, Barbara? I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, like uh, one of the things I thought was interesting is part, and again, you know the music much better than I do, but he's trying to break barriers and he's mm -hmm. trying to break down traditional way of thinking to suggest mm -hmm. that that's not always played to people who don't necessarily fit in. Right. And my reaction to it, uh, without knowing the rich history that you've mentioned, was just, it was, that's a pretty dramatic way to prove your point. Like, mm -hmm. I actually thought it did good on that. What mm -hmm. it, so for his purposes, I thought it was terrific. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess the issue, and Suturiki, I'm really curious on your take on this, is how's the play for Nike? I mean, Nike won in the lawsuit, incredible amount of publicity. Is it true? All news is good news? I think that it is um, a winner all around. Um, it is fantastic for little Nas X. I mean, this guy, he is a master networker. This guy knows how to promote himself socially. Um, even Old Town Road, like he got that on TikTok early on. He had the kids doing all kinds of memes on it. And it, um, it made him a star, really. Mm -hmm. So then he follows it up with this video with him doing, you know, basically sliding, doing a pole dance down to hell and then doing a lap dance on a computer generated image of, of the devil. Mm -hmm. And it's just... We are now taught, this is probably the product and the person that I have talked most about since like Donald Trump. I mean, so to, to his credit, he, um, he has got in our dialogue and mm -hmm. he is now a household name. Um, Mischief, the company that's actually manufacturing this, ah. I've never heard about them. Mischief, Never I got, I, I see what they did there, Sukuni. Uh, that's good, okay. <laughs> they, they took out the vowels. Got it. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> so never heard about them, right? And even Nike, I think, comes out ahead here. I mean, they're not looking. I mean, I think that it's really about the religious right that they want to ah. make sure that they don't, you mm-hmm. know, kind of get themselves more in hot water with. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. for the most part, for their sneakerhead audience, this is awesome. And mm. I, I think that, you know, kind of everybody's a winner here, um, except maybe, you, you know, kind of anybody who is uh, offended by this. Mm. Interesting. Right. And, so- and then who, they're not going to buy shoes with the Satan symbols on them anyway. So they were exactly. never in the target market. Interesting. But I think yeah, there are some- I mean, they couldn't have gotten more publicity. It was all over the place. Names right, from New York Times all the way down to everybody else who's uh uh, who's talking about it. I agree, it's a big hit. Americas, what was your final take on it? Well, yeah, see, I was kind of thinking more of a miss, but it's funny. This is exactly why this is interesting because now I'm, I'm sort of being a little bit persuaded here to think about it because I was kind of, I guess, thinking from Nike's perspective is like, we spend so much time trying to protect the equity of our brand and, and making very clear, clear-minded decisions about what we do and do not associate with, whether it's dropping Lance Armstrong or these kinds of things and being very clear on that. So I guess originally, Barbara, from my point of view, I was thinking it, wow, from the from Nike's perspective, but it actually, it's, it is actually interesting because Nike actually gets to uphold its values and get a little additional attraction and gravitational pull while doing what they say will be the moral thing. So it, it is kind of a win-win in that situation. It's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Well, this has been a big week for controversial brand decisions. So the one I had picked was about Mm Coca-Cola. So we all know that there's a lot going on in Georgia and there is a law that made its way through the Georgia legislature in recent weeks, um, which was having to do with voting rights. Pretty controversial law. Mm -hmm. And Coca-Cola is headquartered in Atlanta, very important company in the the whole, everything that goes on in Georgia. And so Coca-Cola was asked to, to comment on this legislature. And when, when they first came out with it, um, they kind of made a statement, you know, kind of a namby-pamby statement where they said, you know, voting is everybody's right and all we have to allow everybody to vote. It was, it was a statement without, um, without a lot of uh, yes or no with regard to the law. It's just saying voting is, is something that everybody should be able to do. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of pushback for that kind of namby-pamby statement. And then they came out with a much clearer statement. Let's see if I have it from the CEO where he said, I want to be crystal clear. The Coca-Cola company does not support this legislation as it makes it harder for people to vote, not easier. So he was called on the carpet to come out with a stronger statement one way or another, and he did, but it was six days late. Mm. So the question is, is that a hit or a miss for Coca-Cola? How do you navigate the situation? Clearly, Mm. this is a state where there are very strong opinions on both sides. And you're a company like Coca-Cola, which is the real thing, presumably for everybody. It's not kind of a niche product, like perhaps Satan sneakers would be. (laughs) Coca-Cola is not that kind of product. And and Coca-Cola is arguably one of the biggest brand names in the world. How do they navigate around these kinds of very, very political issues? Very tough, yeah. Was it hit or a miss? What's your take, Americas? Yeah, I, this is fantastic. I, I did grow up in um, 
Southwest uh, Georgia. So yeah, it's Coke country down there. And, uh, you know, I don't know, Barbara, are they going to have to change their name to liberal happiness in a bottle? Uh, because I mean, in some senses, it's like you're taking a stand. You will alienate a bunch of people if you make these political views. So I think, you know, there's a there's a lot of pressure uh, to come out and state what you what you stand for. But I think along with that pressure comes the ne- sort of the necessity to have the courage to say that this is who is kind of what Nike did. This is who we are. We're aligning with Colin Kaepernick and you don't have to follow us in, in this tribe. But if you want to and you're an ally, that's awesome. But if you don't, that's cool, too. And so I think it's time for companies like Coca-Cola maybe to to take a stance on this. I know it's a lot of controversy in Georgia with the results of the um, of the election and the runoff there. So I think there's even more pressure to sort of come out and and say and say what you're doing. I, I know. I guess Delta had a similar kind of situation yeah. as well. I think what also it makes this interesting is the the potential legislative pushback and retribution that actually governmental officials can take on companies who who come out and state these views. So I have to say though, it's a it's a it's a hit for me, Barbara, because I, I love Coca Cola. And uh, maybe Coca-Cola will, you know, come out and figure out how to get, you know, free Coke to people in voting lines. And if, if they, even if they can't well, get that would be food, interesting. that'd be kind, kind of an interesting thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> we'll bring you Coke, even though the, uh, you know, the government won't let you have food and water, we'll bring you Coke while you're waiting to vote. Uh, but I think in a more serious sense, Barbara, this is exactly what we're talking about now, which is like, listen, it's time to come out and say what you stand for. And you live with it. And presumably the decision calculus works, Barbara. It's a hit because the people you attract will be more, quote, potentially loyal to you because they're not just connecting on the sugary water or the polar bears or the happiness in a bottle, but they are connecting on some deeper sense of political ideological synchronicity. Perhaps. I don't know. Maybe that's the theory about why this would work. The the thing about it is, though, they were six days late. It wasn't their first statement. They made a statement and then it was only when they were pushed and there was, it was a big push that there was a boycott from activists who were threatening to boycott Coca-Cola. And it was under that pressure that they came out with a much stronger statement. Now they eventually came out with that statement, which as you said, was still polarized. I mean, this is not an issue that isn't polarization. And I think Coca-Cola is a very different brand than Nike. What do you think, Sujarika? So this is all so interesting to me. And we had um, a number of discussions internally with my colleagues about exactly, um, you know, kind of which companies got basically thrown, you know, kind of under the bus and had like the boycott demands, like Coke and Delta were the two big ones. And what I think is so interesting is that two of the biggest companies in Atlanta, um, Home Depot and UPS, were, which by the way, are bigger than all of these other companies combined. I mean, Home Depot is a $100 billion company. Not only were they left unscathed, nobody demanded that they take a stand, Mm. which I thought was super, super interesting. Mm. And then when I dug into, well, what was it about Coke and Delta that why did they get the attention? Mm -hmm. It turned out that they opened their mouths in the first place. Mm. And because they made a statement in the beginning, they then got called to the carpet later on. Mm. Meanwhile, Home Depot 
quiet all along. UPS didn't really say anything. So nobody Mm. said anything. Nobody then demanded the boycott. And by the way, if anybody could deal with a boycott now, it is like a Home Depot, which just had the best year ever through the (laughs) pandemic. Meanwhile, Delta, oh my gosh, I know we're talking about COVID. Have we not boycotted Delta like all of last year anyway? Like Mm -hmm. how much more are we going to boycott them? (laughs) So I I think that What's, and I'm so curious to hear your thoughts on this, is that as a, as a society, we're telling companies, you need to take stands on these issues. It's so important. to Consumers are demanding that you take a stand. Mm-hmm. However, the lesson from Home Depot, I think, here for mm-hmm. me is maybe you should keep your mouth shut because mm-hmm. then nobody says anything, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, but, it, it know, can only backfire. To your point. Um, and like when America said when he thought it was a hit was when they took a real stand, he thought it was a hit. But to your point, and maybe this is the big lesson, is the first statement they made kind of tried to be everything to everyone. They addressed the issue without taking a stand. Mm-hmm. That might be the takeaway. Mm-hmm. It may not be that it's always right not to say anything, but if you're going to say ah, something, interesting. say yeah. something. Yeah. I yeah. think you can draw that as a conclusion or a lesson from from the from, from what we're seeing. I didn't see how I didn't follow as carefully what Delta did with their initial statement. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know that, but I know what happened with Coke. They made a kind of a namby pamby statement. And then there were calls for boycotts, and then they put it on the line. And they said, "Let us be clear." Mm. But it was only in response that they say, "Let us be clear." Mm. Yeah, I yeah. Think I think both were, yeah, very ambiguous in the beginning, and and almost supportive of the law in the in the beginning. Mm. Sorry, America. No, I just I was you know I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that that's an interesting conclusion. It's like you got to push all the chips into the table. And basically, keep your mouth shut and stay out of it, or you're all in with 100% clarity. And I think that it makes sense, right? Because it's sort of like, if you're wishy-washy to Barbara's point, you come off worse because it's like, you now you look like you have no backbone and you're trying to just sort of, you know, kiss up to everybody. Uh, whereas at least, you know, being polarizing just means, okay, I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose a side and the people on my side are coming with me. The others aren't, and I'm okay with that. And you know, what's interesting about it though is, you know, I have to say, I understand the pressure put on Coke because again, another point I was making and if you look at the difference between Nike and Coke, Nike really, even with the Kaepernick campaign, they understood that they were polarizing, but they knew who their customer was. Whereas Coke's customer is really everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, and to your point, Coke and Delta been hit so hard by COVID. Um, because I mean, maybe we're staying home and drinking more soft drinks at home, but we're not on premise. We're not in restaurants and a huge, they took a huge hit. I mean, there were massive layoffs at Coca-Cola and you can't think of an industry worse than the airlines for COVID. So you're right. We've been boycotting them all of 2020. (laughs) So it's, and Home Depot, big winner they can just sit there yeah that's mm-hmm. it's just a very interesting lesson as we navigate what does it mean for a brand to take a stand and still be supportive of their bottom line which is obviously um what we should be doing in branding mm-hmm. there was one more story that Sucharita you mentioned was of interest to you which isn't the same weightiness of the two stories we've just been talking about but it, I maybe you'd want to talk about what happened with Volkswagen uh, mm-hmm. if you've been looking at this 
Yeah, and um, this, I thought, was a little bit of a bizarre story. But essentially, Volkswagen put a press release on its website that it was going to change its name from Volkswagen to Volts, V-O-L-T-S wagon, Mm. um, in conjunction with the release of a new electric car a new, I think it's called the ID4 SUV, um, which is an all-electric vehicle, and this was supposed to be um, the rebranding of the company. It turned, so a bunch of media caught onto it, Volkswagen fans caught onto it, it made its way all over social media. Turns out that it was an April Fool's joke by Volkswagen, and they ended up quickly retracting everything. I would say that this was a myth, not because it was um, not, it actually was an ironic myth because it actually (laughs) could have been a hit. I, you know, so many people who I had talked to about this, including Volkswagen fans were like, we thought it was the cutest thing ever. It's a great story. They actually have a history of very clever marketing and this would be totally on brand. Now they had, you know, the the diesel disaster. And, and I think that that was probably a little bit of their caution too, is like how many times, you know, do they get caught for lying? Um, But on the other hand, it's, it was actually a really clever campaign, and the fact that they had to retract it sort of seems like it was it was a little bit of a miss. They didn't even do anything with the excitement that they had generated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to agree. I'm I'm going to vote for a miss here too because even though it did pub- get a lot of publicity, it was it wasn't a good a good kind, and it kind of antagonized the reporters who wrote about it. They felt duped. Um, but, well, what but, but elaborate on this. Uh, elaborate on it. Why a miss, though? Why, why exactly a miss? I feel like I, it was a miss because they didn't get the positive off of it, and everybody was embarrassed. Mm. And they didn't. I mean, the story was supposed to be about electric vehicles, which in the automobile industry is huge. Right. I mean, that has the cha- that's going to change everything. Think about gas stations going away and all of that kind of stuff. Where the money comes in the automobile industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we really move to electric vehicles wholesale, which almost everybody's predicting is going to come in a while, mm-hmm. the, the the cars that are out front on that are going to stand to be, you know, take a really big pioneering advantage on this. And Volkswagen, instead of taking a big hit, like we're in uh, in support of electric vehicles, are apologizing for embarrassing the reporters. So, 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 so just to be clear, so the, the miss part of this is not doubling down, tripling down and like leaning in on, on the joke. It's, it's the fact that we're saying, the fact that apologizing for it somehow signals that you, you didn't think this through and you don't, you're not really confident in what you believe and you look kind of like silly as opposed to had they just said, listen, you know, haha, we got you. Oh, and by the way, now that you're paying attention, let, let's, you know, continue kind of building up the amplification and all of that sort of stuff. Because what, what struck me was I, I didn't see, usually when something goes wrong like this, there's something, there's another element where, you know, for example, last week, I think or a couple of weeks ago, Burger King put something out about she should be in the kitchen. They were trying to celebrate. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And, 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 but that was like tone deaf. It was, you know, there's always like a, a part where it's like you hear it. It's just not quite right. But when I heard the Volkswagen thing, I was like, that's pretty cool. 
And right. that's, you know, I, I, there was nothing wrong with it. What was yeah. the bad part? What was the bad part? And the bad part was that, oh, they had, they, they, so is this true, uh, Sucharita? They had the mea culpa too quickly. I think, yeah, the joke fell flat. And, um, you know, it was sort of, to Barbara's point, it was a little bit embarrassing for them. But to your point, Americans, I see, you know, kind of ultimately at the end of the day, if they sell more electric cars and they are now in the dialogue mm. of, you know, kind of being the other option other mm -hmm. than Tesla to get an mm -hmm. electric car, is that bad? And, you know, kind of long term, it, will it be a winner, especially if it also gets them past like the diesel scandal? Mm -hmm. You're right. I mean, maybe maybe it's more of a winner than, you know, I gave it credit for initially. Mm. It's unfortunate. <laughs> Barbara, you're shaking. Um. <laughs> you know, one of the things you said that I thought was really interesting is Volkswagen has really always had very clever advertising. And it's kind of part of what their brand was, you know, that they were clever. They they weren't the kind of, they didn't have to make it an April Fool's joke, or they could have been more clear about signaling it's an April mm. Fool's joke or do something about it. I mean, to be mm. ahead of the game in electric vehicles vis-a-vis -vis Tesla, yes, that's a strong position. Mm. But we're talking about whether this was a good messaging or branding campaign. I got to say no. I mean, it's not a huge hit. It's not like Toyota's brakes don't fail. You know, it's not of that order. Right. But it was poor execution for what could have been a clever marketing campaign. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So had and they, actually, they, wouldn't it have been that bad to change their name? I mean, it sounds like there were, you know, this is, a, if you put it out as a market research test, there seemed to be a lot of people who liked it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been really fun. It's been quite a week. You know, we've learned a lot. We've improved our branding curriculum going forward. Yep. You know, all these big brands go out there and test the ideas for us, and then yep. we get to support them going forward. Sucharita, it's always a pleasure to have you on our show. You're so well informed and yes. have such great opinions. So you hope you'll come back and play our game with us again. Yes. Oh, anytime, Barbara. This was a ton of fun. Where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your research? Because for sure, they're going to want to read about it. <laughs> oh, well, um, I have, um, well, Twitter, and you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on LinkedIn. And I've been doing a little um, show on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. on Clubhouse, too. So um, come on over and uh, listen to our rants there as well. What's the name of your show on Clubhouse, Sucharita, so they can find you? Well, it's uh, we're, we're working on uh, evolving it. It's usually tech news of the week, um, but we may be changing it to brain food. Um, oh, so uh, nice. so come join us. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. This is Marketing Matters Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.